Well, today, we are, this, this month, our sermon series is called Spiritually Healthy Habits. And Pastor Peter started us off last week talking about a life of repentance, a life of repentance and um, a life of forgiveness. And our overriding scriptural theme that we're going to be threading into each week comes from Romans 12.2. Do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So this week, we're gonna be talking about a life of spiritual warfare. And in many ways, this is a part two to last week, speaking about forgiveness and repentance, because we really cannot talk about spiritual warfare without first talking about repentance and forgiveness, because that is step one. Um, what does it mean to battle in the spirit? And I think so often we as Christians, we kind of view spiritual warfare as the X-Files of Christianity. Like it's this quirky secret department in the basement of the church and no one really knows what's going on down there. And it's true. Sometimes you kind of hear these, these kind of crazy stories, but spiritual warfare does not have to be spooky or this like crazy demonstrative thing that you see in these really scary movies. Spiritual warfare is a lifestyle and it's a part of a healthy, it's, it's a healthy part of the Christian walk, the Christian way of life. And when you learn the principles of spiritual warfare, it becomes like breathing. It becomes so natural and you realize that it's not spooky at all. It actually is something that brings us peace. It inserts comfort into our life. It inserts joy into our life. And it's something that we miss if we get out of the habit. So I want you to imagine today, just for a moment, I want you to imagine a young Marine, a young soldier. And this young soldier is getting ready to go into battle. He's getting ready to go on a mission. And you are the person that is tasked with explaining to this young soldier that he or she is gonna be going into battle without any gear, without any protective clothing, without any shoes, without any weapons, without any guns. And actually, you won't know when this attack is gonna happen. And you don't really understand very much about who the enemy is. And I want you to imagine for a minute that this young Marine is your own child. Most of us would say, no way. This is a suicide mission. I am not sending my child to battle without any sort of resource, any sort of help, any sort of protection. And I'm not sending my child, and I'm not sending anyone else's child either. This is ridiculous. And yet, many of us live our Christian lives in that very same way. We are completely ill-equipped to battle against spiritual attacks, just like that young Marine is ill-equipped in their own in battle. And if we, if we don't have the tools, how will we pass the tools on to the next generation? 
We can't. We have to develop the tools in understanding spiritual warfare so that we can be prepared for whatever our enemy wants to throw at us. So today we're gonna look at three tools for spiritual warfare. And the first one is prayer. I believe that one of the things that we as Christians in the West need to become very diligent about, and that's about putting the reverence and the power back into prayer. Something I've noticed just in our, in our culture and our generation is that you know, social media can be a very wonderful thing, right? It can be a wonderful tool. But one thing that I've noticed as Christians is that the way that we talk about prayer, the way that we view prayer on social media is really doing us a disservice many times. Um, let me give you an, an example of this because I call it social media prayers, right? Uh, so we have a friend, you know, we can all have friends and they post a need that they have in your feed or they'll post um, a challenge or a hardship that they're having. And, and so everyone reads this and what happens? There's a litany of comments of sending good thoughts and prayers, sending prayers, sending prayers, good thoughts, good thoughts and prayers. And I'm always like scratching my head because I know how to send a text and I know how to send an email and I know how to send a letter in the mail. I don't know how to send a thought. So if someone has figured that out, please see me after the service and let me in on this because I just don't know what that means to send a good thought. And so my first issue is that we're leveling prayer and good thoughts. We're putting that on the same playing field and that's just not, it's just not accurate. The second issue that I have with these social media prayers and really this is the larger issue, is that there's often no follow-up on social media about when a prayer's been answered. We see the request, but we don't see the testimony. We don't see, like how often and how amazing would it be to see a post that someone writes, I was sick, I was not well at all. And my friend Vicki, you know what? She called me on the phone and she prayed with me. And she prayed a prayer and that night my fever broke and today my strength is returning and I am feeling so much better. Thank you, Jesus. What would it be like if we heard the testimony after we asked for the prayer? Because so often we're asking for the prayers and we're leaving out the testimony. And what happens is we see this over and over and over again on social media and it starts to send a very clear message out into the world that nothing happens when people pray. And that's dangerous and is not accurate. And if someone is going through a difficult time, I'm not saying don't respond. <laughs> I'm saying write your prayer out right there. Put it into the comments. Say what you're praying for. Be specific. Say, I am not going to rest until I hear a, a testimony about what God did and how he healed you. Put it into the comment. But this whole little social media prayer, praying, praying. I know we have good tensions. I know it's not out of, out of a place of ill will. I know sometimes we just don't know what to do or what to say. But I think that we have to be aware of the greater context. People need the testimony. 
And so it got me thinking, how did Paul pray? Because the apostle Paul in scriptures, he oversaw a lot of churches from a lot of different areas. And these churches were full of people. And we know where people exist, there are some problems and there are some issues. So we know he was just fielding issues left and right. So I'm very curious as, as to how he prayed, how he prayed for God's people. So let's take a look at this first verse in Colossians 1, 9 through 12. So ever since we first heard about you, we have kept on praying and asking God to help you understand what he wants you to do. Asking him to make you wise about spiritual things and asking that the way you live will always please the Lord and honor him so that you will always be doing good, kind things for others while all the time you are learning how to know God better and better. We are praying too that you will be filled with his mighty glorious strength so that you can keep on going no matter what happens. Always full of the joy of the Lord and always thankful to the Father who has made us fit to share all of the wonderful things that belong to those who live in the kingdom of light. And here's a letter that he wrote to the church in Ephesus. I have never stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God to give you wisdom to see clearly and really understand who Christ is and all that he has done for you. Paul prays differently. He doesn't pray for other circumstances to change. He may have prayed that once or twice. But if you look at Paul's letters to the church, if you look at what he is telling people, how he is praying, he prays for God to give them wisdom to walk through their hardship, for God to let them see clearly how to navigate, how to grow closer to God as they're walking through their circumstances. And in our humanness, we wanna run from pain, right? Like it does not feel good. We wanna avoid avoid pain, we want to avoid hardship, we want all our friends praying when something is really heavy on our life. However, Paul is praying for inner growth. He's praying for inner transformation and he prays that through their hardship, people would grow closer to God and that in their relationship with Christ, that's where they find their strength. And that is where they find their endurance through that hardship. And Paul prayed that Christians would endure with joy. They would endure their hardships. They would endure their troubles with joy. Because Paul understood this. There is a peace that you will only find by, re by uh, spending time in the presence of God. And for those of you who have heard me preach before, you've realized she fits this, this line into every sermon. I don't know how she gets it in there. But I say this every single time because I know it's true. I know from personal experience that this is true, that there is joy that only comes from special time, one-on-one -on -one time in God's presence. Um, about a year ago, I was really struggling with bouts of insomnia. And if anyone here has ever suffered with times of insomnia, you realize it is like a form of torture because you just, you're tired, 
but you just keep waking up throughout the night and you can't sleep. And I, and I knew that my insomnia was, was rooted in just, just an anxiousness and worry. And the anxiousness and the worry would just wake me up at night. And so I had um, I picked up this book and it, it was uh, talking about 40 days of prayer. And the challenge in this book was pray for 40 minutes for 40 days. And then you'll have your list of of special requests that you're asking of God for yourself and for other people. So I thought, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this. I, I can do this. Okay, set my alarm. I'm going to pray for 40 minutes for 40 days. And, you know, I started praying and I really had to tell my thoughts to be quiet. I had to tell my worry and my anxiousness and my fear to be quiet in Jesus' name. And I had to tell my ears to open to the voice of God because I want to hear God's voice and not the noise of my fear and not the noise of my worry. And I I, I had to say this out loud. I mean, I'm glad I was alone because you kind of start to feel like a crazy person, but I just had to say, I want to hear God. I want to hear God. Sometimes I get scared of what he's going to say, but I have to push past that fear and say, I want to hear God. Because this is what I knew. I knew that God shows up where he's wanted. And if I wanted him, if I desired him, I knew he would show up. Because there was a deep desire there. So day number one of the challenge, my insomnia disappeared on day one. Day one and this is without sleeping aids. It just, it just went away. And it wasn't me going, I'm better. I'm not anxious anymore. I'm not anxious anymore. You're trying to convince myself. No, God reached down into my heart and he changed something in me. He took a worry from me. He took an anxiousness from me. He changed me and I was able to sleep again. This There is a reverence and a fear of God when people hear what God has done for you, when they hear your testimony and they hear what what God is doing and how he's moving, a fear and a reverence. And there is power in that. There is power in our testimony. So we have to remember to talk about our testimonies, to talk about what God is doing. Here's another thing that Paul understood and that Paul was encouraging people to pray for, and that is to put on the armor of God. I have a, um, a mentor. She's, she's an older lady, and she's from Chattanooga, and she's hilarious. So I'll, I'll go, and you know, we'll, we'll chat. And I don't even remember what the issue was, but I was going through something, and um, I was feeling discouraged, and I was just like, gosh, I keep hitting my head on a wall over this one issue, and this is going wrong, and this isn't right, and she looks at me, and she's like, did you put your armor on this morning? And instantly, I knew exactly what she was talking about, and the answer was no, I had not put my armor on this morning, but this is what she was referring to. She was referring to Paul in Ephesians 6, when he said, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of, the evil, of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist 
with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of the salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. You know what? I started praying this scripture. Amen. I started praying this. I started praying the armor of God over myself. I started praying the armor of God over my husband. I started praying the armor of God over my children. And prayer took on a deeper meaning to me when I began to view it and use it as a weapon against the enemy. I, start, I began to, to feel like this Marine that was starting to get pieces of gear, that was starting to get prepared for whatever attack may come. And so I pray the armor over my day. And I say, and I'm just gonna share with you how I do it. Maybe you wanna incorporate this into your daily prayers. But I say, God, Heavenly Father, I put on today the belt of truth. God, may I recognize truth when I see it that I am not easily swayed by deception or the ideologies of this world, but that your truth is louder than every other voice that's in my head. God, I put on the breastplate of righteousness. I desire right living. God, may my heart be guarded against things that are looking to tear me down and take me out. God, protect my heart. May right living be my safeguard in Jesus' name. And for my feet, God, I just put on shoes of peace, God, that every place I go to today, that your presence and your peace follow me into the room, God. That if there is anyone that is troubled in that room, God, that they instantly feel your peace and your presence with them through my actions. God, I take up the shield of faith. May my shield be true and strong and sure, and may my faith not waver. When things come at me during the day, my faith will not waver in Jesus' name. And may it extinguish every fiery arrow that the enemy is trying to throw at me today. Not just the big ones, even the small ones, even those small arrows. They will not get through because my shield is strong. I put on the helmet of salvation. And this is so good if you struggle with anxiety, if you struggle with depression, if you struggle with thoughts in your head, you have got to put on the helmet of salvation every day. God, may my mind be fixed on you. And when the enemy tries to attack my thoughts, my sanity, my peace of mind, may I be covered fully and protected by your spirit. May I recognize every lie from the enemy. And I will call it out as a lie. And may my anxious thoughts be quieted by your love, by your great love for me. And I pick up the sword of the spirit. God, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It is my compass. It is my guide. May I measure every argument that sets itself up against you. May I measure every argument to your word, to my guide, to my compass. And may I recognize your truth when I see it. May my sword be sharp and swift and slice through every plan that the enemy has for me today. In Jesus' name, amen.
What would happen if we put on our armor every day? What would happen if we prayed for our children before they went off to school every day? You can pray boring prayers. There's nothing wrong with that. God, get me through one more meeting without killing my coworker. I just can't even today. I've had, I've had those prayers before too. Or you can pray prayers so fierce that they scare whatever is scared inside of you. And it makes your worry flee. And it makes your anxiousness quiet down because you're praying fierce prayers. And you can say, oh, Pastor Chris, uh, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to pray like that. And I would say, you don't know how to pray like that yet. It doesn't, you don't have to, there's no, there's no like right or wrong way to pray. You can pray however you like. And if you're a little nervous about it, you know what, you can pray this scripture. Just read the scripture and say, God, I, I pray this. This is my prayer today. You can pull up the podcast. You know, this, is, this sermon will become a podcast. Pull up the podcast, fast forward to this part, and pray along with me. I mean, there's no wrong way to do this, right? As long as you are developing and cultivating a lifestyle of prayer. Because a prayerless life is a powerless life. You will have no power in your life if you are not praying. All right, number two. This is the second tool. God's word. God's word is the weapon that we use to battle deception and despair. And Psalm 119, 114, you are my refuge and my shield and your promises are my only source of hope. That's powerful. Memorized scripture is an invaluable weapon in fighting demonic attacks on our mind. There's a lot of false ideologies in the world. There's a lot of fake news out there. We know this. We need a compass. We need a tool, something to guide us. God's word is that compass. God's word is our guide. So I've, I grew up in Florida and my husband grew up in Scotland. And where I grew up, there are zero mountains. And he grew up alongside uh, lar large hills and there's some mountains there too. So one day we were all in Scotland and Peter decided to take the kids and I on a little hike in the mountains, in the hills. I was shocked at how quickly I became disoriented. I mean, it was, it was pretty much instantaneously. I just, you could swear on your life. You know where you're going and you know where you're at. And then in the next minute, you don't. You just don't. You're just lost. Everything looks the same. One hill looks like the next hill. And uh, what he said to me, one of the best skills he learned growing up in Scotland is he took a, a mountaineering course where they take these, you know, 15, 16, 17-year-old boys and they take them in the mountains and they teach them how to survive in, in the mountains. And he said one of the best skills he learned for survival in the mountains is how to use his tools. Because we're not going by how intelligent everyone is, right? Like we can be a really smart person and die on the side of a mountain. But the, the trick was knowing how to utilize the tools that you've been given, the tools, the tools that you brought. And when you're on the side of a mountain and a storm blows in and fog sets in and you can't see anything, 
Your compass is the only thing that's getting you off the side of that mountain. Feeling like you think you know where you are and where you're going is not gonna get you off the side of that mountain. Your tools and your training is what keeps you alive. That is what keeps you safe. And the same is true with our spiritual life. Feelings don't always point north. How many know that? Feelings don't always lead us in the the correct direction that we need to go. Feelings often point to a deep trauma, right? Feelings, it means something. It's pointing to something, but it's usually pointing to trauma, not the way out. And God's word points us to freedom. It's God's word that is our compass. And so when the fog falls on us, when the fog descends, we need a guide that is gonna get us going north, going the way that we need to go. And the Bible says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It is our compass. And without it, every path looks right. Right, Every, I, took, I took a religions of the world class in college and I tell you what, that professor had a way of making every religion seem amazing except Christianity. He made every single one look wonderful, amazing. It all seemed right. And if you didn't know your Bible, you could have been really easily swayed by that because everything seemed right. Everything seemed good. Everything seemed amazing. But the Bible, God's word, is our compass. It is our guide for when things get really murky and things get really foggy because they will. It will happen. We need our compass. One of the things that we do in the kids' church It's just so amazing is the kids memorize a verse every week. And sometimes as a parent, you're like, is this homework? You're taking home homework? But this is so much more than homework. This is the kids learning a tool, putting another tool in their spiritual warfare tool belt that is gonna help them survive and thrive through enemy attacks. I remember sometimes my kids, when they were little, they'd bring home these scriptures and I'm like, whoa, that's, that's optimistic because that's a lot. <laughs> you, you go, you, you do that, you memorize. But I tell you what, the scripture gets in their head and when they're going through a rough time, that's what they have access to is God's word. Number three, Worship, and this is not a comprehensive list, but this is what we're gonna start on. These are some good habits to, to create for this week. Worship, we were created by God to worship him. We were beings that were created to worship. And so we have to be very focused on what it is we're worshiping. Because sometimes if we're not worshiping God, we know we're worshiping something. And we can very easily fall into a trap of worshiping a job or a relationship or a worry. I know that sounds crazy. Like I don't worship my worries, but we do if that's all we're thinking about throughout the day. Whatever you're thinking about the most, that is what your energy and your worship is going into. So when we worship God, it forces our mind to glorify God and not our problem. When we're worshiping God, it forces our mind to glorify Him and not the circumstance. When we're worshiping God, it forces our mind to glorify Him and not our depression or our anxiety or our feeling, what we woke up feeling like that day. Worship forces our mind to focus and glorify and magnify God. So if you're battling with anxiety or depression or worry, worship God. Force your mind, 
Force your mind to focus on him and his promises. And we look at uh, David in the Bible and the Psalms. Boy, he, he had this down pat because he didn't ignore his feelings. He didn't ignore the fact that he was just feeling sad today, that he was feeling overwhelmed, that he was feeling discouraged because everyone was always hunting him down and always trying, they were always after him. He didn't ignore that fact. It wasn't like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm a Christian, I think good thoughts, everything's fine. He, he just let it all out there and he, he told God. <laughs> he told God all his problems. But after that, he forced himself to praise and glorify and magnify God and say, God, you are King of Kings and you are Lord of Lords and I may have foes rising up against me, but you are my shield and you are my fortress and I will run to you. And I think this is why God called David a man after his own heart. It's not because he pretended that everything was fine. It's because he said, this is what's going on, but... God is still God. God is still good. And I'm gonna put God above every problem, every circumstance, every hardship that I am facing today. And I will end my psalm. I will end my complaint session with God is good. The goodness of God. Will you stand with me today? I'm gonna put the small group questions up here. If you could be... Studying, reading a little bit and and praying the armor of God this week. Let's let that be our challenge for this week. If you you forget a, a day, don't beat yourself up, but as many days this week as you can, pull up this scripture in Ephesians 6 and just pray the armor of God over yourself, over your spouse, over your children, over your family. And let's see how powerful God is. Let's experience his goodness. Let's experience his protection. Let's experience his awesomeness. Can we do that this week? This is our challenge. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Jesus, that you are a good God. We thank you that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, that your name is highest above all others. And Father God, I just pray today for endurance, for wisdom, as we walk through whatever hardship, whatever situation we're walking through this week, give us wisdom. May these circumstances cause us to grow closer, push us into your heart, push us into a relationship with you, God, like we've never experienced before. And may our hardship be a testimony, the way that we handle our hardship, the way that we talk about our hardship, the way that we trust you, may that be our testimony this week to the people who are around us and who are watching us walk through this day by day by day. God, we give you the glory and the honor today. Thank you for your goodness.